Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Bearcat Rewind. I'm Matt Tritton. John Coffey will join me shortly. We hope you've been enjoying the podcast. Last week, Jordan Simmons, kind of a Swiss Army knife for Northwest Missouri. A guy that was returning kicks and punts, but also catching passes out of the backfield and plenty of carries as well. So Jordan was an impact player while he was at Northwest Missouri State. This week, though, we're shifting gears just a little bit. Not a player from 99 or not a player from 09, um, but a gentleman that's been here for all of those football games and then some. Uh, John Coffey is a subject of this week's Bearcat Rewind. I didn't really ask John before uh, we had him on as a guest. It was more of a matter of I told him, hey, let's go do a quick podcast. I've got someone on the phone. And he sat down and I kind of turned the tables on him. But this is year number 35 for John as the voice of the Bearcats. Now, at the time of this recording, Northwest Missouri State's getting ready to take on Fort Hayes State in Week 10 of the 2019 football season. So this will be broadcast number 445 uh, for John Coffey, football broadcast, that is. And not only is it 445 and year 35, and it's another milestone, but that's 445 consecutive football games. The man hasn't missed a Bearcat football game since 1985, and he's been on the radio for every single one. So, um, you know, there were some, some pretty dry years early on, but then all, obviously the last 20 years, a lot of Northwest Missouri State success. So, so John's the voice of the Bearcats on radio for football men's basketball, and he's also part of the women's basketball broadcast. And we talk about uh, all three of those sports and some big games that he remembers, um, the coaches, some of the players, and, and dive into a lot of different things throughout. So um, we hope you enjoy this podcast. And it wouldn't be possible without our sponsors, the Northwest Missouri State Alumni Association and the Northwest Foundation. They're inviting you to take part in the Forever Green campaign. They are on the final stretch run to meet their goal. So the Forever Green campaign, it's a push for Northwest toward academic excellence, scholarships, student life, and much more. So leave your legacy, help make the vision of the Forever Green campaign a reality for students who will come to know what so many others have learned before, that nothing compares to being Forever Green. So for more information, go to nwmissouri.edu slash forevergreen. And thanks also to Mosaic Medical Center Maryville for their support. If a sports injury sidelines you from your favorite activity, don't worry, you have a team of experts ready to help. From sprains and strains to breaks and more serious injuries, our orthopedic and sports medicine professionals in St. Joseph, Maryville, and Albany have the skill and experience to get you back in the game as fast as possible. Mosaic Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, we're all in to get you back in. Now let's dive into our podcast this week, Bearcat Rewind. Our guest is John Coffey. And welcome into a special ambush edition of Bearcat Rewind. I'm Matt Tritton being joined by John Coffey. And John is actually our host this afternoon. And I did my best to not let him know that he was, or he was the guest this afternoon. But, uh, John, thanks for coming in. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure being here. <laughs> So, so, so here's the rub for those that don't know. Uh, this is year number 35 for John Coffey as the voice of the Bearcats, uh, 1985 here through 2019. And this upcoming week against Fort Hayes State will be uh, game number 445, consecutive football game number 445. So, John, I figured it was fitting to have you on as our guest for this one because you've seen so many Bearcat football games and it's, uh, it's such a milestone season for you and reaching a number like that is just unheard of uh, really in, in sports anywhere, it seems like. It, it, has, it seems like it's gone by pretty quick, actually. It's hard to believe that it's been that many games in a row, and I hadn't even really kept a count on how many it had been until uh, apparently you've gone in and, <laughs> and, and done some counting on that. But uh, it's been uh, uh, a unique ride. We've seen a, a lot of very good football teams, uh, a couple teams that had struggled a little bit, but really for the most part, from year in, year out, they've been very competitive. 
Well, you know, if you go through it, and, and the guys that have been calling Major League Baseball forever, because it seems like all of those is prim- are primarily primarily where you see a lot of the um, guys that get those jobs and don't retire forever. I mean, until they, they really get up to old age. You look at Vince Scully, what he's been able to accomplish uh, prior to retiring a couple seasons ago. There's always some days off at some point. You got to take a day off here or there. Now, granted, football opens it up a little bit more throughout the week to where you can take a breather. Baseball's that uh, kind of day in day out thing. Um, but that's a pretty incredible number to get to 445 consecutive football games. And, and I know we've kind of talked about it, trying to think about who else has been around us so many. But, I mean, coaching-wise, um, rarely any fan-wise that could even come close to matching. I know Rich Mendenhall's one that uh, is a Bearcat supporter, but that's kind of an unheard-of number, about 445. And um, I would have to imagine, similar to Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals, you had to have a flu game here or there, right, where you've got to battle through. <laughs> yeah, there's been a few games where I didn't feel particularly well. I, I know uh, one over at Washburn just a few years ago, and then down at Southeast Missouri State one year, I think the only time I was awake was <laughs> during the game on the trip down there and back before. With Larry Kane, but uh, I think I woke up in Cape Girardeau after leaving uh, Maryville and saying, "Wow, this trip didn't take very long at all." And I got the look of death from Larry on that one. <laughs> and that's a long way from home to be feeling sick, and then the same for him to be off to make that drive back and forth. But uh, if you had any idea what your win-loss record is in football since 1985, what would you guess? I, I don't know. I, I do know at one point. And things have changed since this, but uh, there used to be a, a, a guy who did a play-by-play for Missouri Southern, and uh, he had put in a pad to pencil one time and said that I had the worst winning percentage of anybody in the oh. conference for play-by-play at, at that particular time. Of course, that was when things were a little bit different, and things took a drastic turn in the other direction shortly <laughs> after that. You need to look that guy up and let <laughs> yeah. him know things will change just a bit. So if, if my calculations are correct, and I just punched in the numbers to Excel and let them add them up for me, your record through 35 seasons, granted this is at nine games into the 2019 season, 320, 122, and 2. So you are nearly uh, 200 games over 500. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> That's not too bad. <laughs> you know, Going back to that one period of time I was talking about, it, the kind of the running joke was on the my uh, graves, uh, my tombstone at the time would be, read, uh, well, Coach, another tough one tonight. <laughs> <laughs> But that that has changed drastically, too. Just a little bit. Well, yeah. and it was just last year as we uh, went through the national championship run for Northwest Missouri State basketball, 38-0, that Ben McComb had referenced uh, during that run, um, you know, Things weren't always easy for him in Northwest Missouri State men's basketball as he took that program over in a couple, you know, nine, ten win seasons. And um, he said that you always did a great job of doing your best to make that as optimistic as possible. And and he was a little bit negative coming in at the time, too, because he's such a competitor and some of those losses were so hard on him that uh, you do what you can. And, um, and, and he always talked about you did a good job of just – Make it as light as possible, and it was a tough one tonight. You played well, but it just didn't work your way, and um, and obviously that's worked out for him in the long run too. Yeah, I think things have gone well there. And a story along those lines with Ben, we were out in Hawaii. Uh, I think <laughs> one of those uh, years, and uh, I think it was Harding that we had uh, gotten in thinking that that was going to be a, a win. I think for Northwest, and just didn't play well and got beat down the stretch there. And I look over on the far side. Of course, in Hawaii, there's it's a, kind of a smaller little high school gym that they uh, would rent out for those uh, tournaments and. Ben sitting at the top row up there with his uh, head in his hands, and uh, Austin comes walking over and goes, well, I think he got me on the post game." <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, too, to work with those guys night in and night out. And, uh, a lot of memories, a lot of little things like that that you don't think about, but regardless if that's a game you know, thousands of miles away in Hawaii 
are just blocks away in Maryville. I mean, they, they see the same faces all the time. And so, whether it's not always easy to come in and talk after a loss, at least it's still the same comforting face, and it's not uh, just some stranger every time. I think it has to be a benefit for those coaches. Yeah, I think so. And we've been blessed with a lot of good coaches to work with through the years that uh, understand that. And uh, really, for the most part, we come, we're talking about wins, so uh, that makes it a lot easier. But uh, uh, it's just amazing the type of uh, coaches that have been hired at Northwest Missouri state through the years and they've been very understanding with what we want out of them and uh, they're very accommodating and it makes our job a whole lot easier yeah well in, in going into it too I was trying to kind of go through and think about it but uh, you know head football coach Rich Wright was a graduate assistant back in the mid 90s Ben McComb played for Northwest Austin Meyer played for Northwest Amy Worth was a GA at Northwest Mark Rosewell didn't go to Northwest but was here just before you got here right as far as a uh, before taking over play-by-play and radio duties, he was on campus already, wasn't he? Yeah, and I had known him at that before then, too. Right, so. and, and, I mean, so many of these coaches, as you go down the line, and so many assistant coaches and graduate assistants are Bearcat alums that then they keep coming back in other positions. And the athletic director Andy Peterson was a player and assistant coach, and now he's stepped into that role. So it is, it's fun to see, and I know you've seen it a lot more than I have because a lot of these guys are kind of, guys and ladies are kind of going through and, um, slowly working their way up, but you've seen so many that go from 18-year-old freshmen on campus, like an Andy Peterson, that work their way up and into becoming a head coach of a program or even the athletic director. Yeah, and I think in Andy's case, and I like a lot with Ben too, you could kind of see that there's going to be uh, a future in um, the sport that they were involved with, where it's basketball for Ben or with uh, Andy. You could kind of tell that on the administrative side, you'd be somebody that'd be very good in that role too. So you can kind of see that as they're going through and then it's nice to uh, be able to follow them along and see the success that they've had as, as an adult, uh, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> and staying and keeping that kind of talent here in Maryville. It's kind of funny that trio that was on that bench for a while with uh, Ben McCormick, head coach, Austin Meyer, assistant coach, and Andy Peterson, assistant coach for men's basketball, and uh, how hot under the collar Ben would get at times, and sometimes it would be Austin to be in the one calming him down, and sometimes it would be Andy calming Ben down. And, and Andy said uh, last week, talking to him, that sometimes he would get too fired up and say something to the officials, and Ben would be like, nope. Calm down, Andy. And it kind of, the roles would reverse, which you would expect, but it's uh, it's kind of fun to watch those guys. Yeah, and again, it's great that they're still here. I mean, that's yeah. the important thing. It's a talent that you know they were going to go and be successful somewhere, and it might as well be right here at Northwest Missouri State. John Coffey coming up on game number 445, a career record of 320 wins, 122 losses, and two ties. Two ties. Can you take me back? Do you remember <laughs> when those happened? I don't, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so and just going through and looking at it, just the record book. I can't find a box score or anything. Uh, October 19th of 1985 at Abilene Christian was a 24-24 to tie. Do you remember that? I remember a lot about that trip. <laughs> I'm not sure that's part of it. That, that was a, a wild team. Uh, one of uh, Vern Thompson's uh, squads. Uh, they were a colorful bunch, let's uh, put it that way, and an awful lot of talent coming off that 1984 season, which I think probably had as much talent as uh, any of the championship teams that Northwest had in later years that just didn't quite get it done in their first playoff game in 84, and I think a lot was expected out of that team in 85, and uh, some injuries hit, and uh, just and some tough luck in games such as Abilene Christian where they didn't pick up a win that I think they felt like they were going to have a victory in that. And the, that 85 season just didn't quite end the way they wanted to, but uh, still a very talented team and a lot of good players coming back on that squad, but just unfortunately just didn't quite get it done that year. The Bearcats 4-6-1 and one in 1985 had that tie. Um, 
November 3rd, 1990, against Peru State, a 10-10 tie. You remember that game? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> as you bring that up, uh, again, that was not one of the finer uh, moments in uh, Bearcat football. But, uh, but since then, uh, things have changed. So Just a little good. bit. Yeah. So and, and we're going through, and we're kind of on the nines of this particular, uh, this particular year with this particular podcast. You think back to uh, winning the conference in 79. Um, 09 was a championship. 99 was a championship. 1989, two and nine in 1988, and they go up and, and really a, a quick improvement and go nine and three in 1989. What do you take away from that year? Well, that was Bud Elliott's second year, I think, if I remember right, as uh, uh, coach of the Bearcats. Really got the option going, and uh, and at that time, there were more teams running the option in the conference, but it was just a, a heck of an offense. Uh, a very good running game, and they threw out that option quite a bit, and went into uh, Pittsburgh State, I think, to play that uh, playoff game, and unfortunately lost in that game, but that was a fun season, and I think a lot of things were expected from that point Going on, unfortunately, I think some budget issues and some renovation of uh, um, Lampkin Gymnasium at the time, now Bearcat Arena, took place where the football team was forced out of their offices. And of all the entire athletics staff had to do some makeshift offices where it was really tough to recruit at that particular time for Bud when you bring in players and just wasn't ideal and he just couldn't build off that 89 team unfortunately but I always thought Bud Elliott did a, a fine job coaching but just couldn't quite get it done and then of course then everybody knows what happened after that when Mel Churchman came in and really put together a juggernaut here. Well let's go back to the start of the Coach T era obviously everyone knows 0-11 in 1994 and then they bounced back with six wins in 1995. When you were going through 94 did you imagine that it would uh, I wouldn't imagine you'd think that the success we've seen with Northwest Missouri State football. But to go up from that season with no wins to six wins the next, did that ever creep into your mind to be that turnaround? I think to a degree, because even in that 0-11 year, you could sense that they had a plan and it was in place and that the coaching staff was very talented. And they also had the backing of the administration and the athletic department So because things were headed in the right direction at that point where there was going to be an emphasis that, that this uh, university wanted to have a successful football program. Now, I don't know if anybody in their right mind dreamed that it <laughs> become the uh, uh, kind of the, the cream of the crop in Division II football. But uh, you, you could tell that Mel and the staff really had an idea what they wanted to accomplish with this program, and the uh, administration had the patience to let him do it. And I think that's something that's very important that you don't see on the Division One level in particular. I don't think schools have that type of patience, and, and maybe at a lot of Division Two schools they don't have the patience to uh, let the, the coaches do what they want. But you could really tell that – He's bringing in good players and that they were going to be a part of this program and redshirted an awful lot of very good players that most likely could have played in uh, 94 and done very well. But uh, they were building from the ground up and and once they had that base uh, built, you could really tell it was going to be something special. Northwest Missouri State, it's, it's been an incredible run. And we're in 2019. As we sit, the Bearcats are 8-1 and one, um, on the season. College sports, sports in general, are cyclical. It's not supposed to stay one way for an extended period of time. And usually I think it's probably four, five, six years that things kind of turn over and they start fresh and you have a good run, then you take a step back. And from 1995 and now to 2019, we have not seen a losing season at Northwest Missouri State. And and, uh, 
15 consecutive playoff appearances for the football team. I believe that's uh, that's the correct number right now, and, and a chance to go on to 16 as Northwest Missouri State closes out this season. These runs aren't supposed to happen like this, right? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, it's just unbelievable the way they, they've uh, uh, put together this type of run, and that's what makes that, to me, even uh, more unbelievable is the fact that uh, from very early on, we're getting everybody's best shot because yeah. uh, we're, the Northwest is uh, kind of the, the program that everybody's in the conference in the, in the region has tried to model themselves after. And you, you know game in, game out, that the team that Northwest is playing that week is going to give them everything they've got. And a lot of times, they, uh, from a scouting standpoint, they'll hide some of what they want to do every week to come in and try to get Northwest. And, yep, Northwest still is at the top in, in most of the year in and year out there. We kind of mentioned it with men's basketball, but you, you think back through what we have through the coaching staff right now. Rich Wright was a graduate assistant for Northwest there in the mid-90s and stuck around as an assistant coach and worked his way into being a head coach. You know, Charlie Floor came here as a, as a young coach and has stuck around and has done great things offensively and, and working with the quarterbacks. Joel Osborne is a two-time uh, national championship starting quarterback for Northwest. Brandon Clayton was a national championship defensive back. Um, Mike Cunningham's a little bit newer to the program as far as, um, you know, not a background really with it, but he's done great things for the offensive line. Chad Boswick just happened to get here at that weird time where they didn't reach a national championship, I believe 2000 to 2004, and a walk-on linebacker to an all-MIAA performer. It, it's just cool to see how these guys, nobody wants to leave in the, the head coach hirings from Mel Churchma to Scott Boswick to Adam Doral to Rich Wright are homegrown guys outside of Coach T, of course, coming in. But under his, his coaching tree, they're guys with those Northwest Missouri State backgrounds. You don't see that very often where you go through that many coaches and you're not reaching outside the program either. Well, even with Coach T, he was a graduate student at Northwest, I think, at one point. I so, didn't know that. So, so there's uh, still a little bit of that. Yeah. So I think it says a lot about the university. It says a lot about Maryville as a community that when they come here, uh, they appreciate the type of support they get and want to stay in Maryville. Well, and then of the other one, of course, you're a part of the women's basketball broadcast there for a long, long time. Were you doing women's basketball in 85 as well? Uh, some. not. A, I think at that time we were doing primarily the road games, I believe, for a while. But uh, there, there, uh, it wasn't until probably later that we picked up where we were doing both men and women on the basketball side. But as the bas- women's program was able to grow, we were able to pick up a lot of that. So. And you look at uh, uh, Austin Meyer, the head coach, and Di Houston as the assistant coach, and a couple guys that played for Steve Tatmeyer at Northwest Missouri State, which also are off that test of Coach Tatmeyer coaching tree, just like Ben McCollum. But I'm going to say that we could put our basketball coaches up against any basketball coaches in the conference and probably win a, a four-on-four tournament. You throw Zach Schneider in the mix with those guys as well. Yeah, I think you're right. It definitely put Zach out there for the threes. That will be all right. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Austin uh, might fight yeah. for some of those three-point shots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you go through and you look at these teams and, and what's been accomplished, um, and I did a little bit of searching, and I'm hoping that my numbers are right. Uh, Northwest football has won 29 MIAA championships. You've been a part of 17 of them. Um, or men's basketball, they've won uh, 11 regular season championships, and you've been a part of – well, my numbers are cut off there. Sorry about that. But <laughs> eight of eight MIAA tournament championships. Women's basketball, you've been a part of all three MIAA tournament championships. It's crazy to go back and kind of – we talk about football a lot in, in – um, that's been the primary focus here with Bearcat Rewind this year at the 09 and, and 99 championship teams. But the level of success that we've seen in the Northwest Missouri State Athletic Department um, is just second to none. 
Yeah, I, I think there's a, a few people around the conference that are beginning to dislike Northwest just a little bit for all the just success. Just beginning to dislike? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the fun thing about it is they do it the right way. They're bringing in good kids that want to be here for an education. They're good you know, character kids that are fun to be around, and, um, and it just makes a huge difference. And the, sometimes I think they take a chance on some kids that from an athletic ability might not be quite as uh, – as strong in that aspect, but the, the other intangibles they bring turn into winning players and it transforms into championships. I'm going to put you on the spot, and I want you to be truthful, okay? Best football player you've seen since 1985. Oh, man, that's uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's loaded. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, I I guess the first one that comes to mind, probably Tony Miles. I mean, he could do it all. A great receiver, good uh, kickoff returner, good punt returner, and it was just a game changer. I mean, he could really, if he needed the game to change, he found a way to get it done. You look at that 99 game in particular, some of the things that he did there to help win that one. Of course, everybody else had a, <laughs> had a pretty huge role too. But from just a, a game-changing ability, I think it probably has to be Tony. And uh, we had a number of great quarterbacks through the years, but Chris Grison really stands out. But before him, he had Greg Till, who did a great job getting the program off the ground. And it's just tough to, to name just one because we've and had so many that not only have played well here but have gone on and put together some careers in the nfl so uh, it, that's that's a tough one best men's basketball player ever well i would uh, go back <laughs> <laughs> uh, some may dispute but it's uh, vic coleman when i was in school and then just out uh, vic coleman just one of these guys that's just a great athlete and uh, a good forward and he played back before the uh, uh, three-point shot so some of his stats would look a little bit better now i think if we had the three-point shot in place although they they did just recently go away from the uh, the uh, uh, kind of the uh, the wooden basket or whatever I'm thinking up there before the uh, the backboard there. Yeah, they got a backboard then too. <laughs> and we didn't have to do a jump uh, jump ball after every made basket. So, but uh, but did you have to get up there and help take the ball out of the peach basket yeah, after it was yeah, made? Yeah, I did. I think. But uh, you coach Nate Smith. Yeah, <laughs> but I think Vic has to be right up there. And then, uh, guys, you look at probably Justin Pitts is right there too. Obviously, stat wise and the things he was able to do, I think. Both of those two are the different positions, but uh, those two really stand out to me. Yeah, I know we've had that conversation off the air a lot about, uh, well, in the course throughout his four years, and I said, man, I think Justin Pitt's probably the best player we've ever had. I don't know, this Vic Coleman guy was pretty yep, good, too. Yep. So. And by the time it's all said and done, Trevor Hudgens and Ryan yep, Hawkins yeah. might be climbing in there. Um, best women's basketball player ever. That would probably be Janet Clark. She probably had the best jump shot of any player I've seen, men or women <laughs> out there. She could really play, and coming in from uh, Lafayette, and she played a, a role, I think, at the time, bringing Bob Sundell back to, to the program. <laughs> they were dating at the time from Lafayette High School grads, and I think Bob had gone up to uh, Drake to play but decided to come back to Northwest, and so she helped recruit him to a, a very good basketball team for Coach Stapp, So <laughs> We're very appreciative of that, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, best non-championship game you ever saw. We'll go – all three sports, if you've got one for each. Oh, gosh. Uh, that's off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, that's, that's hard to say. Not, uh, I guess probably for football, it's in the playoffs, so it would be that 96 game with uh, Nebraska-Omaha. That one, to me, put the program on the map. Uh, and I've talked to Mel about this and several players that are involved with that. But up to that point, we hadn't won a playoff game before. We go up to Nebraska-Omaha and come back in very inclement weather and find a way to win that one. And – and from that point on, it's been uh, just a, 
solid ride to the top, I think. And and uh, that game to me was one kind of a coming out party where everyone took notice that Northwest was there, and we've been there to stay since. Then. Men's basketball. Men's basketball. Well, <laughs> this is probably a- actually before I started doing the games on a full-time basis back in ninety or in eighty-four. Uh, I think Northwest and uh, Central Missouri uh, were both uh, just off the top of my head. I think one or two in the national polls, and the women's teams were both uh, right up there nationally ranked. And I think we had a couple overtime games that night at uh, well, it's now Bearcat Arena, and uh, I think. From just from an electricity standpoint of the, the way the crowd was and uh, for both of those games, uh, that had to be one of the best nights in basketball, I think, that we've had. Well, it's, it's been awesome, too, to see how that's really grown to where you know, we'd get some good crowds for Northwest Missouri State basketball, but obviously people see winter, they want to come out and see it, you don't blame them for that, but there have been, it's, it's really bred to where now we get a couple, two, three of those every year, whether it's late in the season or on to the region championship, and seeing Bearcat Arena full, it's one of the coolest things ever because that place is rocking. Oh, it is, and I think we'll have a chance again this year to see it uh, that same way. This is a, a heck of a, a team that Ben has again this year, but uh, ba- the way the basketball has come around has been unbelievable, and uh, even you look at last year, 38-0, and what everybody thought was going to be a rebuilding year. How are you going to uh, replace Justin Pitts? And all of a sudden, they won another national title, and I think the expectations are high this year. Of course, again, everybody's gunning for Northwest, and it's going to be tough to rebuild but uh, it's just fun to see the, the type of uh, program that's developed and how yeah, we're both a basketball and football school right now. How do you make the expectations higher than 38-0 national championship? Hang with Duke and then beat two top 25 teams to start. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a incredible. Good, it's a good start, that's for sure. That, that went over Southern Nazarene on a Saturday. Of course, uh, Ryan Hawkins going off for 44 mm-hmm. uh, helped out a whole lot. But uh, that's a team they could see again if, if both teams have the type of year they're expected to have in uh, the region, I think, because uh, Southern Nazarene's the real deal. We're going off on a bit of a tangent here away from what we were originally talking about. But when you think about this region for basketball with Northwest – Missouri Southern returning all five starters, Southern Nazarene, Washburn's a a force to be reckoned with again, Um, and I know there's other teams I'm not thinking of right now. Man, whoever comes out of this region, if they find a way to be healthy and, and get rested up after all that, I don't see why they don't go on to win the national championship again this year. It's an yeah. incredible region. Oh, I think it's obviously, to me, uh, it's the toughest region. And I think it's proven by the success that teams have come out of this region have gone when they get to the Elite Eight. Uh, of course, you had Augustana here a few years ago and make it and win the national title out of this region. So if you get out of this region, I, I really feel like you've got to be a favorite. Primarily, in my mind, not only do you have a lot of good offensive teams in this region, but it seems like defense is really stressed in the central region where some of the regions it's who can outscore the other one on a, on a <laughs> nightly basis will win the ball game. But uh, I think when you get to that level and you come up against a team that plays hard defense, it really takes the other team uh, a little while to kind of regroup and figure out what's going on. Well, the first championship that the Bearcats won in 2016-2017, where they find their way in against Fairmont State, who had two or three Division One caliber players on that team and averaged probably like 95 points a game and um, gave up probably in the 80s as well. And Northwest comes out and holds them to, I think, 61. Was that 71-61 win? And just completely controlled the tempo of the basketball game. And it was – I think that was the kind of time where I kind of looked around and like, wow, like, all right, this is <laughs> – if they can do this here in this situation and, and, and really be undersized for the most part coming into this game, if Coach Mack just keeps on building with the recruiting and everything he has, everything else he has going, then why won't this become kind of a tradition for us? And two years later, 
back in that same spot, taking on Point Loma. So it's it's been pretty cool to see. Yeah, it has. And when you talk about limiting teams, uh, I know Tappy always used to stress this. Ben's a, a disciple of this as well. But uh, defense shouldn't be able to have a slump or a night off. And uh, offense, you can have an, a bad night. But you should be able to go out and play good defense from game to game. And with that stress, you're going to be in every game if you do that. We're seeing that in men's basketball. That's carrying over to women's basketball as Austin Meyer and Adai Houston really mold that program. Uh, but you think defense? you got to think about uh, Coach Scott Bostwick and, and what he built there with the football program. Of course, we're, we're coming back around the full circle with, with football there and now Coach, Coach Wright taking over and, and uh, after Coach Bostwick passed and taking that defense and not missing a beat. Um, you think back to some of the great offenses that Northwest Missouri State's faced, and the one, I guess, that kind of always pops to my mind is Danny Woodhead putting in together a, a pretty great NFL career for a guy of that stature coming out. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer, but it was still impressive what he's able to do with the Chargers and the Patriots, and I think he was maybe with the Ravens for a little bit too. Um, but there was a playoff game where he rushed for 16 yards against Coach Scott Bostwick in that defense, and that just didn't happen to a Harlan Hill winner. No, I think the only team that he didn't have any type of numbers against, either high school, college, or (laughs) in the NFL, was Northwest Missouri State. About the only team that found a way to shut him down. Was that the playoff game that Xavier ran for like 300? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, that's just unreal to think about the the stark differences (laughs) there. And then Xavier didn't win the Harlan Hill. That's a whole different podcast, probably. Um 35 seasons coming up on 445, and then potentially later this year, a 450th uh, football game for you uh, at Northwest. The point of pride as an alum has to be pretty full. This, I mean, it, it could be old hat to come out, I guess, and kind of be in the same spot every year and kind of do the same thing over and over and over. Um, but it's essentially where you grew up as a broadcaster here at KXCVKRNW. I mean, that has to be a point of pride for you uh, each week. Uh, it really is, and I don't think it would be – fun if any other place I would do it too but I don't think it would mean quite as much as graduating from Northwest Missouri State and being able to follow this team all these years it just wouldn't be quite the same and it's been a labor of love no doubt about it I look forward to each broadcast today just as much as I did when I first started out and it just couldn't ask for a better job I think amazing how spoiled to be able to watch Northwest Missouri oh, State and all these different athletics that are all excelling every week Oh, I know. And again, what makes it more fun is just the people that are involved with uh, uh, Northwest in the Maryville community as well. It just, again, it just makes my job so much easier but uh, to be around these people from week in and week out. Um, you get to work with a lot of students, too. I yes. know we're kind of getting up there pretty far in time. We'll start to wind things down in just a moment. But uh, but that's that's such a cool aspect of it. If folks don't know, our sideline reporters are students, and they're on scholarship, and our engineers who are actually back running the technical side, making sure that our broadcasts get out to you are students. There's a lot of responsibility, but it's a great chance to grow and really get your solid footing before a career. And what really makes me feel good, too, is I look at all those people who have been involved in the, in that They've all gone on and had very successful careers, some not necessarily in broadcasting, but I feel like the skills that they've gained coming through the program have helped them be successful. I look at some of the people that we've had in that sideline role, which has always been a student in the success they've had. We're able to bring you back to Northwest and the success you're having right now, and the things you're doing here is just incredible. Tommy Thrall, I don't know how many people – 
remember Tommy, but they should. Uh, Tommy was a, a sideline a, a reporter, helped out uh, even after graduation in those times in November and December when we needed another basketball announcer, and he was still around the area. This past uh, winter, he just got named as the lead announcer for the Cincinnati Reds and taking over for Marty Brenneman, a legend there. So Tommy's <laughs> got, his, got, got some big shoes to fill, but I know he'll be able to do it. Uh, baseball was one of his passions, and he uh, really paid his dues going to, through the minor league system, riding a lot of buses with all the players <laughs> at, before getting his chance. And uh, this past year, he was part of the Reds broadcast team and then getting a chance to be the number one guy there. Uh, and just uh, go down the line of a lot of uh, sideline people that have had a lot of success uh, through the years. And it really makes me feel good to see that hopefully uh, we've had a little minor part in the type of success that they've had. So many students coming through and getting great experience, and 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 I mean, even just the back whenever we'd be walking off the field at halftime, and you'd interview Mel Churchman right there, and you're kind of like, "What am I doing here?" Like, Twenty-something-year-old kid that doesn't belong next to a legend head coach, Hall of Fame head coach, and you're you're interviewing him during a football game, and so the opportunities that you've provided for students uh, across the board for the last you know thirty-five years, and especially the last twenty with KXCV, KR, and W have been huge. Um, if you had to have a favorite sideline reporter, not the most talented. Just a favorite. Who do you think it would be? <laughs> well, let me think. Here. I would say most talented. We've got a few others that are yeah, pretty good. Yeah, boy, boy. I'd have to be at the top of the list, right? Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, we appreciate the time. Congratulations on 35 years. What, what are we looking at, 35 more? Well, I, I'm not sure. Well, there's, there's, I, I doubt if I'll make it 35 more, but it's kind of funny. Uh, during uh, homecoming, when we sent you out to Duke uh, to do that game, uh, we had a lot of uh, players uh, and coaches from the 79 and the 09 uh, and uh, 99 teams in. And that 79 team, I actually broadcast some of those games when I was, <laughs> when I was in uh, college. And uh, I think it was Brad Boyer, uh, wide receiver off that team. I wanted to know if I had 40 more years in me since we were <laughs> celebrating the 40th for, the, for that uh, championship team. But, uh, well, we won't dive into age and whatnot just yet, but maybe that's for the next podcast in 20 years. <laughs> I, I tried to tell them I just got better looking through these years, and those guys have gotten old. <laughs> John, we appreciate the time, and thanks for uh, going from co-host to guest on this week's <laughs> Bearcat Rewind. All right, thank you. John Coffey, the voice of the Bearcats in year 35. He was our guest on today's Bearcat Rewind. We appreciate everyone for listening. Once again, Jordan Simmons was our subject last week, two weeks before homecoming. That was Jake Soy. And coming up next week, we've got another fun one, Northwest Missouri State football getting set to take on Central Missouri. Their quarterback for the Mules is Brooke Bowles. So we had Blake Bowles, who was a quarterback in 2009 for that national championship team. We will chat with Blake a little bit about uh, Northwest football, but also Brooke just a little bit too. So that'll be a fun one to kind of get you ready for that regular season finale for Northwest Missouri State football coming up. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, the Northwest Missouri State Alumni Association and the Northwest Foundation, and also Mosaic Medical Center Maryville for their support as well. Thanks to Alex Kurt for producing the intro and outro music, and thanks to Austin Hall for engineering the podcast. Watch for a new episode of Bearcat Rewind each Monday throughout the fall. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio Podcasts, so please subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for tuning in. For John Coffey, I'm Matt Tritton saying so long.